Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity. Or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello, and welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa McHugh McGrath, recording today 1,843 miles from Dallas, Texas, where someone really loves this show, at least according to the statistics on my hosting platform. Today on the show, we are going to do a smorgasbord of shorties. You ready? Let's do this. Hi, y'all. You may have noticed that I'm trying something different in the intro. And since I'm not in the smallest podcast studio closet outside of Boston, Massachusetts anymore, which I thought really set the show apart from the competition, I wanted to still do something. So I started picking out cities and locations from the download numbers on my hosting platform, Budsprout. Every time someone downloads the show, I can see at least the city or country that is downloading. I picked the first few based on known listeners and patrons, but I'm going to maybe do this for a little while. If you have a better idea, I'm open. Uh, But it's fun to see where everyone is listening to, and hopefully you'll hear your city or town called. So far, Bewilderbeast has been listened to all over the globe. 47 countries, including Qatar, Costa Rica, South Korea, hey Dustin, and Australia. In fact, the Aussie contingency accounts for the second highest number of downloads outside of the U.S. So thanks, Australia. I kind of feel like I should thank the wombat's substantial butt, pyromaniac predatory birds, cane toads, sorry that one's actually on us, our bad, and the emus who won the war, and the heroes who milk funnel spiders for all of my Aussie success. (laughs) I'm also trying to record in new places to see if I can find a bit more comfortable space so I'm not so scrunched. So the audio might sound different, it might not. So while I'm tweaking things, please feel free to write in. Thanks in advance for your patience. Do let me know what you hear, as I know it might sound different on a speaker in the shower versus a speaker in the car versus headphones versus earbuds. In fact, my own husband didn't know this show had music until a few weeks ago when he listened on a different device. (laughs) The audio experience is different for everyone, so chime in at bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com. If you have a preference, I might just go back into the closet for recording, but I'm not going to lie. The other thing is, while I'm getting better about spiders, I'm not there yet. And every time I lock myself in there, I get a little panicky. So let's just see how this goes. (laughs) Anyway, lastly, check the Patreon for extra bonus episodes. We have several supporters who get to enjoy extra episodes every month, even on months like March, where I just pieced out for the whole thing. We have a story on what happens when a Colombian drug lord brings four hippos to his backyard zoo. 
only to escape months after that drug lord's death and how those hippos are creating a new subspecies of Colombian hippopotamus. We also talk about how other animals evolved to be so pretty it hurts and how one moth in particular went in the opposite direction and now looks like bird poop, a goat who became a punk rock superstar, the many, many, many controversies in the bird of the year voting, including voting fraud and one winner who wasn't even a bird, and of course, the reason the only place you can get a beer on St. Patrick's Day in Ireland was the Royal National Dog Show. So everyone suddenly loved dogs in March for like 40 years. Those episodes are waiting for you plus more. Yes, you, if you just pop over to the Patreon feed, search for Pod or go to bewilderbeastpod.com. There you can find the link. It's all super easy and it's all really fun and we have fun. And since I'll be taking the summer off too, hang out with chickens and my kiddo and travel a bit. Oh, right. Look out, London. Look out, Scotland. I'm coming to see you in August. Patrons will have an extra episode every month while I'm on break. So with all that house cleaning, it's time to wash it all down with some fun animal stories. We've just got two, but they're really fun. This is a series of short stories that just couldn't quite be their own episode, but they're still really fun to talk about. And away we go. Larry holds a very important position at 10 Downing Street. That's the house where the Prime Minister lives. Much like in the White House in the United States, 10 Downing Street is where the head honcho of UK government lives. There are many jobs that need to be done in the top residence, excepting, of course, the Queen and her family. There is one job in particular that Larry is suited for. It has been a job held down with dignity and respect and the utmost importance since the 1500s under Henry VIII. I'm just going to skip to the chase. Larry is a cat. And he's also the last in a long, 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 long line, starting long before the beheading of Anne Boleyn to present day. And he, as a member of Her Majesty's government, is the chief mouser to the cabinet office. He's been there for over 10 years, and he has a Twitter, at number 10 cat. And let's go back to Henry VIII. You might have heard of him. He's most known for a catchy turnaround song about the widow next door and having a second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth thoughts in the marriage department. And because I've been itching to use this sound effect for quite a few weeks now, some historians and scientists believe that this hot-to-not-king and later his obesity was maybe not a result of contagious disease or lack of vitamins as initially thought. His sudden change of physique and, let's just say, murdery nature, directed towards more than half of his six wives, were actually likely the result of a traumatic brain injury after a jousting incident. Analysis identifies growth hormone deficiency in his body as the reason for his increased adiposity, but also explains some significant behavioral changes noted in his later years, including his multiple marriages, two were annulled, meaning pretend this didn't happen, Two were beheaded. Eek. One named Jane Seymour, and if that name sounds familiar, you might remember Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman Jane Seymour. Yeah, she died after childbirth because it was the 1500s. The last wife only survived likely because he died before he could toss her out like yesterday's trash. A popular mnemonic device if you're prepping for a history test on the subject is divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Henry died after six wives at only 55 years old. He was buried next to the only wife of his to have died of a natural cause. 
Henry was interred in a vault at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle next to Jane Seymour, medicine woman. You can see that I've been trying to pad this one out for quite some time. Anyway, the cat, right, the former rescue cat is now doing a job for humans that is rather helpful, great for PR, and can win you a game of trivia if the subject is Henry VIII or the question is the only cat on the payroll of the queen. Lastly, a shorty that my friend Elizabeth suggested a while back, but I couldn't quite make a whole episode about. The 1859 War of the Pig. Haven't heard of it? It's also called The Pig Episode and The Pig and Potato War, The San Juan Boundary Dispute and The Northwestern Boundary Dispute. Okay, lots of names. Let's get into it. You see, in 1859, a little piggy got pretty hungry, so he did what pigs do. Decided to pork out on some potatoes over there on that little patch of land over there. Those potatoes look really good, and since pigs will eat literally anything, if the pig says, looks good, that's saying something. Unfortunately for the pig, who happened to be owned by an Irishman, Charles Griffin, who was hired to run the sheep ranch on the island, this maybe Canadian island maybe American Island. This particular island is what was thought to be owned by neither or both or depending on who you ask. Uh, anyway, why is this a problem? The land he wandered onto was owned by an American named Lyman Cutler, who in the most American way just shot the pig dead. Cutler said, it was eating my potatoes. And Griffin said, well, it's up to you to keep your potatoes out of my pig. In the most Irish way. <laughs> Y'all, things escalated quickly. British authorities were sent to arrest the American, Cutler, for shooting the pig. American civilians went a little bit over the top and called for military action. What would have ended up as maybe a call to animal control or fines or some other civilized manner of finding fault and awarding damages to one party or the other, the United Kingdom and the United States declared full-out war on this island. There were over 2,500 men from both countries Five warships were deployed and 84 cannons. That escalated quickly. One incident in August. Y'all, this is months after the pig ate a side of potatoes. 461 Americans with 14 cannons under Colonel Silas Casey were opposed by five British warships mounting 70 guns and carrying 2,140 men. By the time word got to Washington, D.C. and London, clearly after months of escalating, on this tiny island at Canada's border, the leaders, including the President of the United States, said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh... <laughs> Though more officially, they were shocked and wanted an immediate solution. 1859's version of immediate resolution is to boat over a bunch of bigwigs, maybe even wearing bigwigs, I'm not sure the fashion of the late 1850s, and by October, they finally had adults in charge to handle this border dispute. Everyone agreed that 100 military on each side could stay until a proper resolution was reached. The UK to the north of the island, the US to the south, but each built their own cozy nooks for winter island life on the US-Canada border, trying to figure out who had dominion over this little island? 
for 12 years. During this time, the military of both sides were quite friendly and really bonded. The United States would schlep over to the UK military base, make a hot dish, I'm guessing, hang out, play cards. The UK would make some scones and serve breakfast after their night of raucous drinking. Seriously, the part that park rangers on the island claimed that was the biggest threat to peace on the island during the dual military occupation was the sheer quantity of alcohol available to the men. So how did they eventually solve this 12-year-old border dispute? Well, since no one asked the indigenous people who lived in the area long before the Nena Pinta or Santa Maria, and the US and UK were too invested in land disputes in this area, seriously, just look at all the little islands in this area. The UK and the US both wanted a share of these islands for, well, colonizing purposes, because of course we did. So a third party was brought in, and while I wished it was a posse of pigs and wigs deciding, it wasn't. The ever fair and efficient Germany was selected to decide. There was a three-man commission who worked in Geneva for this for another year. And finally, in 1872, 13 years after the pig and taters incident of 1859, the United States was finally awarded preference on the boundary. My favorite part? Today, the Union Jack still flies above the British camp. It's raised and lowered daily by park rangers, making it one of the few places without diplomatic status where the United States government employees regularly hoist the flag of another country. The total deaths of the 13-year pig war? An unknown number of potatoes and one pig. So that's it for today. Totally unrelated shorties like the old days. It's like a walk down season one memory lane. All of those stories are still waiting for you if there's one that you want to go back and listen to. Everything is at bewilderbeastpod.com. We will be back to our regular one longer story next week. So thank you for listening today. You make my day. And I'm glad y'all are writing in with information about these episodes. I'm just going to say I'm Melissa McHugh McGrath, professional dog trainer, host of the show, author of Considerations for the City Dog. You know what to do. Go get curious. <laughs> I got today's information from a variety of sources on the Queen's Chief Mouser, wikipedia.org, rmg.co.uk, britannica.com, wikipedia.org on Larry the Cat, and gov.uk. And info on the pig war, which actually started with sheep and a much longer, more political boundary dispute. Resources if you would like to dig deeper than a potato depth on it. I didn't. I was just here for the pig. But it's bonks. Wikipedia.org, Atlas Obscura, and HistoryCollection.com. Links, as always, are in the description of today's episode and on the website, BewilderBeastPod.com. You can leave a voice memo at the website or contact through BewilderBeastPod.com. Any story you'd like to hear animals you think would be a good fit. As you can see, even the shorties can find a home here. If I get a few, I can pop them all together. I like the short ones from time to time, so send them in however you like. Intro and outro is by Dan Lebowitz, interstitial music by MK2. Extra sound effects and music from Pixabay and freesound.org. Hey, and if you could tell a friend about this, if you like it at all, just share your favorite episode with a, with a curious kiddo, an animal-loving historian, anyone at all. And please, Pretty please. Cherry on top. Don't forget to click some stars on your app. You can do that 
right now. Just click that little button right there. You see it, right? Right there. Mm -hmm. That little button on your app player. Just click five stars or whatever you think is fair. And if you're super ambitious, could you just write a couple words? It really helps other people find this show. I read them all and I crave attention. So send me all your niceties. Kidding. Well, not really. I do crave attention, but it actually really does help others find the show. So don't hog it all for yourself. Tell your friends. See what I did there? I only did one pig pun. That's pretty impressive. Okay, that's it. I'll see y'all next week. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.